position, God will raise people up to do his bidding and to care for this church. When uh, we were in, before I was a minister in Colorado Springs, our church was engaged in planting churches and one of the reasons we planted churches was to open up space. Uh, and I was thinking about that this morning, if Three Rivers had not been planted, how, how many people would be teaching Sunday school this morning? How many people would be uh, looking in nursery or leading music or preaching? Um, and so those opportunities uh, have been opened um, and uh, I'm gonna love seeing uh, Chiz <laughs> grow through this um, and your officers grow through this. Uh, <clears throat> Jeff was teaching this morning on the, the covenant and how it unites all of scripture, God's kingdom and his covenant, the covenant theology tying everything together. And he was talking about how uh, the covenant is, is, is explained and then there's a, there's a history of the covenant and then there's life in the covenant. And uh, that's really where we are in Romans. As I said last week, we've got to chapter 12, and 12 starts with therefore. So 12 starts with therefore because it's taking into account all that's gone beforehand. God's promises, his gospel, uh, answering all the objections, and, and now it's the therefore. How will we live in a covenant community? How will we live as the people of God? And so... Our context was uh, verses 1 and 2, and we looked at this last week. He says, I appeal to you, brothers. We talked a lot about brothers, just this beautiful idea that, that the Jews and the Greeks and all these people had become brothers now, and, the, and so the church is referred to as, as the brothers or the family of the people of God. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. It's your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God. What is his good and acceptable and perfect will? What's life to look like? Well, we are to present our bodies, our actual selves, our physical bodies. How do we do this? Well, we renew our minds, the body and the mind given over to the work of God. And so uh, this is really that first, the first application of that. Here, here it is, and it, and it has to do with how will we live amongst each other. I titled the sermon, The Church's Gifted and Talented Program. And um, I've been here long enough to redo some of my illustrations. You'll remember maybe that I talked about uh, when my oldest son got, got tested uh, to be in a certain program at school. And Tammy and I went to meet with the teacher and go over his test. And the teacher was explaining all the different scores. And the teacher said, now, um, this score, this range here, if your child is gifted, they'll, they'll score in here, right? And guess whose kid didn't score in here? Tammy's. <laughs> Tammy's kid didn't score in here. Right? And then the teacher looked at us with terror in her eyes and goes, I mean, if they're gifted in this area, I mean, if they're gifted in this area, they'll score here. And, and you're, you know, there, she was reeling back because she's like, oh, every child is gifted, right? Every child is special. Every child should be a leader. Every, right? She was going through that. I just told these parents that their firstborn doesn't match up in the church. 
Our God gives gifts, talents, and equips. And one thing I want to instill in you, he, he does it because he loves us, not because we've earned it. We don't receive a gift uh, because we have somehow worked our way into his good graces and now he is bestowing it upon us. He bestows his gifts to those he loves. And so this is great that he's going to start his explanation of how we're going to live life together as a church. He starts it by talking about the body, the church as one. And again, I tell you, this is timed perfectly for us because in our meeting this afternoon, we'll talk about some of the things that need to be done, some of the things that will need to be covered. And we'll start to unfold some of those. And some of you will be asked to lead a team that takes care of this or lead a team that takes care of that or help communicate here. Um, and, and you'll see unfolding before your very eyes, the body of the church will actually grow stronger with the absence maybe of someone who didn't do a good job of delegating or was afraid to ask people to do stuff because it might be too much and they would leave, right? That's what church planners do where we get afraid. Oh, if it's too much, you know, they always have to set up chairs anyway and all that kind of stuff. But I think that's what we'll see. So let's look at Romans chapter 12 with that in mind, verses 3 to 8. If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God will stand forever. You may be seated. So you know this chapter starts with a view of God's mercy and verse seven or verse eight ends, uh, who does acts of God's mercy. Make no mistake that Paul is saying, as we have lived with God, as we have been accepted by God, as he has worked his way in us, so now we too will live with one another in that same manner. Reminder, he does not give us gifts uh, because he values, uh, sorry, the gift does not give us value or we don't get the gift because of our value. God gives it because we need it. And so as we talk about that this morning, uh, it's good that he puts it here because without the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, gifts to his people will create pride, arrogance, and division. With the gospel, with understanding who you are and how you stand before God Almighty in the righteousness of Christ, You're able to be gifted. You're able to uh, submit to other people with gifts. And it is not affecting your worth or your value. And I'm telling you, it's diametrically opposed to the system in this world. The system in this world, those who have gifts, be it whatever area, are more important and more valuable than those who don't. 
And particularly wherever you live and whatever circles you run in, those types of gifts in one community or in one subculture are going to be way more valued than in another. Right? If you've gone through middle school, you know that there were things that were super important in middle school, that you needed people to know that you had and did and owned and whatever in middle school. And then you get to college, and that doesn't matter anymore. Right? And then you have a family, and that doesn't matter anymore. And then you have the world's most amazing grandson, and you're done. No, just kidding. And eventually that won't matter as much anymore. And so, but with the gospel, we are valued, so God gives us gifts. I love giving gifts. I think about gifts. Uh, and uh, the perfect gift for a person, right, is one that they don't deserve, one that doesn't obligate them to you, and one that brings them delight and joy. Our Father, He loves us, therefore we get gifts. Even the idea of gift, right? A gift means it has come from someone else, right? A gift has come from someone else. It's not earned, right? Otherwise, it would be a payment. It's not exchanged. Otherwise, it would incur a debt. It is given. Now, in verse 3, in the Greek text, he uses the word think four times. In the ESV, it shows up three times. In, in the Greek, that word is used four times. And emphasis, of course, and uh, that's just to emphasize this idea, right? So he has said, you present your bodies, but then you renew your minds. And how do we do our minds? How we think. How do you think concerning the gifts of God to the people of God? Right? How are you going to think about it? And it's really important that we understand. We need to think about this correctly. Uh, and, and so how are we going to then look at ourselves? Right? The gifts will either become a snare for us or a blessing to the church. Let me put it this way. Um, I went to Nepal on a mission trip and I came back with three knives. They're called um, Gurkhas. You've seen in the big heavy Nepali knife. It, it has a bend in it like this, and the store I bought it in had a, had a picture of one of these about a three-foot blade, and a guy cut the head off a, off a cow with one strike with this thing. So I thought, you know what my six-year-old and my 10-year-old need? They need one of these. Wouldn't it be great to get off the plane and give my boys a Gurkha? The Nepalese special forces use these Gurkhas. Right, I didn't give them the two-foot one. It was only like 14 inches, right? I, I, I hand them to the boys. As Tammy's sitting there, she's like, what have you done? <laughs> like, the mama bear's eyes go, if you know Tammy, the eyes go, then the uh, eyebrows move northward, and the jaw comes straight out. So if you get eyes, eyebrows, and jaw, as a husband, you know I've made a huge mistake. Right? I think Luke cut his hand taking it out of the sheet. <laughs> right? And I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry, boys. This is a good gift, but not for you. I gave my uncle one of those big ones. Right? He was a doctor. It had everything it seemed. And, and I remember seeing on his desk that he had uh, a couple of swords on this display, and he had an open spot. And I thought, oh, he doesn't have one of these. Right? So he took it. Uh, a gift, when properly understood and used and given in the right person, the right sense, becomes really a great blessing for all. 
Um, but it is to be given to the right person in the right way and for the right reason. Um, and so he's inviting us now to look at ourselves and say, how has God gifted me? How has God equipped me? To look amongst our church and to confirm these gifts in other people. Psychologists say that a healthy view of self, this is, this is a while back, 20 years ago. A healthy view of self required three things, right? How you perceive yourself, right? What do I think of myself as? How others perceive me and how I actually am. And if all three of those agree, then you're supposed to have really a healthy view of self. How I view myself, how others view me, and how I actually am, right? That's a healthy view of self. And so what's been damaging in our culture is, is it's moved, hasn't it? Because really in our culture, we are getting this constant pressure that how you view yourself is sacrosanct. How I view myself, what I think about myself is, is more important and it's so important that I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. And if people don't see what I see in myself, it's their issue. Right? And so we are, we are uh, Christian people, we are, we are going to live in a culture that won't even just demand now that how I see myself is true, but how I see myself, you must see me that way too. Otherwise you're being abusive to me. There's a fourth way, right? How we view ourselves, how other people view ourselves, how we actually are, there's a fourth way. And in that, the Christian finds peace, comfort. How does God view his creation? How does God view the living souls that he breathed life into this pile of dust? How does he view us? And I tell you, that has to be sacrosanct, right? The Christian on good and sure and sound footing says, here is what my Savior says concerning me. Here is what I'm to believe. Even though I think otherwise, even though other people might think otherwise, here is who I am before my Savior. And it really is a gift to us. We've all seen people who have an an improper view of themselves, right? There's that person, there's that guy at the party who thinks he's funny, and nobody else thinks he's funny. There's that person on the pickleball court, thinks they can hang with Brenda, can't hang with Brenda. Right, Kim? Can't hang with Brenda. Right, there's that, there's that, there, right, we've seen it, right? We're like, somebody needs to tell them. At least you've watched those original uh, American Idol, right? My mama says I'm a great singer, right? And, and like, you're not. <laughs> Someone, please give the truth to this person. They're not this. And so the apostle says, as the people of God are gathered, take note. Our God is going to put people that are different, with different gifts, different emphasis. He's going to put them together. And if it were not for the gospel, they would compete one to another. My gift is more, more important. Your gift is more important. Well, I'm this. I've got this title. Well, I'm just a lowly. I just do this, right? And, and again, without the gospel, the world system, 
all of our values will be up and down depending on what everybody else thinks, what we think. And yet our God is saying, I am building a body. I'm bringing a body. What I tell church planners is you will be amazed that God will bring who you need with the gifts you need to do his mission. He will, right? We've been praying for a music leader since David announced he was going to move and, and since he and Maggie moved, right? We've been praying for a music leader. And I know it's been hard on people and people stepped up. I came in this morning and I just, I, I love hearing it. And it's like, it's like it's forced, whatever, you know, hey, somebody's got to do it. If not us, who? Right? Tammy's going to be stepping down as fourth and fifth grade Sunday school teacher. We need a Sunday school teacher. God will provide. You need a pastor. God will provide. That's what he does for his church. In the absence of a pastor, God will provide. The sermon in the sentence this morning is that since the gifts of God are given according to his grace and his wisdom, the church must be a place where they're used for the glory of God and the building of his church. There's, there's a couple things that stand out as you read this text. Um, I've talked already about thinking, that we are to engage our mind. There's two other things that stand out. This idea of the proportion of our faith and as God has assigned right, and God has given, uh, that the sovereignty of God flows throughout this text. right? And it's just a beautiful thing, oh church. Our God is sovereign and he cares over his church. right? When we get to this, you, can't, you just can't deny our God cares over his church. He's given the gifts necessary for his church to flourish. He gave his very own son. He's given the gifts. He will assign it. The second thing you see is it is a grace. Verse 3, for by the grace given me. Verse 6, uh, the gifts differ according to the grace given to us. A deep understanding that every gift from God is a gift of grace. And so he says three things here I, I want to go through this morning. The first is not to think too highly of oneself. Uh, you know, don't, don't think too much of yourself. The next one, don't think too low of yourself. And lastly, he'll say, serve graciously or cheerfully. Don't think too highly of oneself. Is it not amazing that almost every text the apostle presses into human pride? Don't think too highly of yourself. Right? Don't, don't, don't think too much of yourself. It is a grace that has been given to you. And in fact, he uses the word sober. Think sober-mindedly. David Crow was a guy I went to college with, lived next door, loved Van Halen, uh, loved to drink. Uh, he, would, he would get pretty much wasted, and he would come to my room. He called himself the wolf, and I was the caribou. <laughs> so I'd be sitting there writing a love letter to Tammy, and I'd have this bang on the door, and the wolf and three of his brothers would say, hey, kid, that was my nickname in college, hey, kid, hey, kid time for wolves versus caribou and I'm like okay boys let's go and I would beat the fool out of those boys <laughs> I remember one time I had his head and I was banging it against the wall and I'm like stop stop you can't feel pain stop in the morning he'd wake up and like we play wolves versus caribou I'm like, yeah we did guess who won <laughs> and I'm like dude you shouldn't attack me when you've been drinking you shouldn't have, because here's what happens when you've been drinking, right? You don't understand who you are. You think you're invincible. You think you're more handsome than you are. He says, hey, Christian, 
Think soberly. Think about it. Have your minds turned to it and, and don't think too highly. Hey, this church isn't going to make it without me. Hey, this church. You, don't think too highly of yourself. Uh, gifts are given entirely by grace. Secondly, gifts are given for the benefit of the body. Right? God is the gracious giver. He gives what is needed. Sometimes not what is wanted. Right? I remember in seminary, like, hey, Kevin Twitt, uh, you know, this great, like the guy who's really responsible for all that indelible grace stuff, taking those hymns and turning them into tunes that we can sing, right? Kevin Twitt, he's a classmate. Um, I taught him how to like people. Just kidding. I was teaching him <laughs> some things, and his return was to teach me how to play guitar. You know why I wanted to learn guitar? Because I was going to be a youth leader. And who has trouble finding guitar players? Youth leaders, right? And so I'm like, okay, if I can at least play guitar, that's one thing I don't have to go out and find somewhere. You know, I can do that. And, and kids like someone. You know what? I can't play guitar. I couldn't. I remember him just trying to get me to tap my feet while I was strumming. And the foot was going the wrong way. And my knee was up down. He's like, yeah, you're playing like a really old white man. Like, but I'm not that old. Right? Gifts are given for the benefit of the body. You might want one. And, and you might not have it. You might value it so much. Sometimes I saw that with guys uh, coming out of RUF ministry. They, 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 they valued their RUF campus minister so much. They're like, what do I do to become like him? And they go get all the classes, and yet something's missing, you know? Um, but the gifts are given for the benefit of the body, and the gifts are not to replace the giver as the confirmer of our identity and our worth. <clears throat> I'll say that again. The gifts are not to replace the giver as the confirmer of our identity and our worth. I am Mark Kuyper, a son of God. I am Mark Kuyper, a recovering Pharisee, a son of God, loved and blessed. And if it were not for God's sovereign choice in my life, I would be as lost as the day is long. I'm not Mark Kuyper, pastor. Not Mark Kuyper, father or dad. That identity comes from the gift giver. You are mine. When the gift outplaces the giver, again, it becomes an idol. Right? And, and I remember my dad telling me this as a pastor. He says, you know, Mark, when, you, um, when you're gone, you might be tempted to have somebody fill the pulpit that's not as good as you. Get the best person you can find. Don't worry. If so-and-so's sermons are better than yours, praise God for that. Right? Mark, your identity will not be in, hey, he's the best preacher we know. Hey, he's the best preacher we can afford. Hey, he's the best preacher that'll move to Grove. <laughs> hey, what? do not let the gift the giver as a confirmer of our identity and our worth. The gifts must direct all praise to God. In Matthew 9, when Jesus heals the paralytic, verse 8, it says, When the crowds saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. Don't think too highly, but also don't fall the other side. Don't think too lowly. Verse 3 to 5. Uh, in verse 3, grace given to me, everyone shouldn't think more highly. And then he says, but 
to think with sober judgment according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in the body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of it. Sometimes in an effort to maintain humility, we dismiss the gifts of God and defer gratitude, maybe in order to avoid hero worship. Oh, it's nothing. Oh, you know. No, we shouldn't think too lowly of oneself. Right? We shouldn't. If there is an internal call to do an area of ministry and the door is open and it is confirmed by your brothers and sisters, you move into that door. You know, you'll make mistakes. You'll get things wrong. Um, but don't think too lowly of yourself. You know, sometimes when I'm preaching, I, I don't like to use the Greek words mostly because I wasn't that great in Greek. But the other reason I don't like to use them is I don't want you to ever think, well, I could never teach. I can never know what the Bible means because I hadn't gone to seminary and I haven't learned this language. Don't think too little of your gifts. This is expanded in 1 Corinthians. So 1 Corinthians 12... I mean, think about that, all right? If you ever worry about your church, just go read 1 Corinthians. Like, oh my word, how did that church ever make it, right? You'll read it, you're like, they're doing this, 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 this. All these things are gone. And what does he write in chapter 12? He talks about the body, right? They have all these divisions going on in this church. All kinds of horrific sin that even the pagans were not committing were happening in that church. And he writes in verse, uh, chapter 12, 14, he says, the body doesn't consist of one member, many members. The foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. That not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. That not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I can't say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. We don't think too highly of our gifts, but we also don't think too lowly of our gifts. And that is in order that we might serve God graciously. God's grace doesn't make us all alike. In fact, he gives gifts that we might feel him working through us for the benefit of the body. Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, he says. Let us use them in prophecy in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You see, the Christian who believes and is resting on the gospel of Jesus, has the ability and the joy and the delight to serve above any other human being. Because we don't have to prove that we're gifted. We don't have to promote our own gift as superior. We're able to help others and put them in the spotlight or in public display of their gifting. What a wonderful thing. This list isn't exhaustive. There's other places it shows up in the New Testament. And it's not intended to be exhaustive that these are the only gifts that God can give. But it's interesting to look at how he breaks them down in three different areas. There are these public and speaking gifts, right? And he says that in, in prophecy in proportion to our faith. Prophecy, teaching, exhorting. 
as we speak and as we speak publicly and as we would speak to one another. Uh, this issue of in proportion to our faith. It's interesting that in, in the New Testament, the, the, the prophet and the apostle, they're different. And so sometimes when people read this, they're like, where do we have prophets um, in three rivers? Well, the prophets, as he's mentioned here, and in, in, the, in the use of the church, they were to be tested according to the scripture. Prophets were assigned for congregation in areas and specific messages where the apostles had authority in and of their role in ordination by Christ himself. And so the apostles would speak in general terms, and they would send letters out like Paul, apostle to all these different people, different places. But in the church, he was saying, there'll be those with the gift of prophecy according to their faith, what God has supplied for them. But he always says, check their teaching. Right? So it's, it's a little bit different call. But, but in speaking, in serving, gifts of acts, acts of mercy, serving in generosity, and in leadership, the one who leads with zeal. I think one of the ways to look at your, if, you're, if you struggle about what am I gifted to do, is to look at the fruit of the Spirit. Right? So in Galatians, Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit. But the gifts of the Spirit are to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Right? The gifts don't stand out upon their own and like, hey, look at me. The gifts produce fruit. And so in Galatians, he says, here's the fruit of the Spirit. And maybe this is a better way for you to think about your place in the body of Christ and this church in particular. Here's the fruit of the Spirit. Right? So Christian, think about it in this manner. What has God given me that will produce this? Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He says, against these things there is no law. That's Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit. Let us serve graciously. We need not be threatened by the gift or the giftedness of others. As we are tempted to get our value and our identity from the gifts, we are also tempted to draw our life from the response and the notice of others. I, um, I want you to be aware of this. You, you may serve in places in the church and not be noticed and not be thanked. You know, we had the joke in our house about the laundry fairy. Right, the laundry fairy, everybody would go to sleep, and while we were sleeping, the laundry fairy would show up. It was an amazing thing. We, we, we rarely ever saw the laundry fairy, but somehow, miraculously, clothes that were in this hamper would end up clean and pressed and in a drawer, you know, and boys would wake up. I'm like, ah, oh, the laundry fairy came last night. Your service to the church might be like the laundry fairy. Every believer is called a priest unto God. And at the least, you should pray. Intercede on behalf of your body. Right, as we talk about organization and structure, reach out to those who lead. Hey, we're going to gather. A couple of us have lunch today. We're not going to just talk about what's going on. We're going to gather and have lunch today. And we're going to pray for our church. How can we pray? Who needs help? Serving 
graciously. And we know maybe we're in our gifts when we don't get thanked and we still feel God's delight. When we don't get noticed and we still know God's delight. Maybe gracious serving, as he has said here, is serving without a tip. Well, let me tell you, um, there may not be tips in the kingdom of God. And you've heard me rant about the, the whole way the tip has changed. So some of you may not know this, but in the old days, you would tip after dinner. I know, crazy, huh? You tip after dinner. You'd look and see, hey, did my water get refilled? Did it bring out my food? Did you talk enough but not too much? Whatever it was. And you'd sit there with your bill and you're like, okay, okay, we're going we're gonna to do this. You know, and that, not today. You don't even have your food. You're just like, you're up there at the counter like, yeah, sir, I need you to finish this out, right? They hand it to you. And you're looking at the tip. You're like, well, uh, have you made my coffee yet? You know, if I don't tip well, oh, are you going to be the one making my coffee? <laughs> Is there going to be a nice long hair in my soup, right? We think about it. You, maybe you don't think about it, and now you will. Thanks for that, Mark. <laughs> you may not get tipped. You may not get noticed, and that may be a sign that you're right there. Doing what God has gifted and called you to do. Uh, so what do we do um, in the interim? Well, number one, I would say use your gifts. Use your gifts privately, publicly if there's call for it. But all the things that you do, do it for the good of the body and the glory of God. Make your service at Three Rivers uh, so shining that people would say only God could do this. Two, I, I want to tell you people, when he says, uh, uh, submit your bodies, your bodies should be here Sunday mornings if it's at all possible. And you'll probably hear me harp on this for the next few weeks that I'm here. Do everything you can to be here Sunday morning. People need to sit next to you. People need to hear you singing behind them, beside them. A ministry of presence. Remember how awful it was in COVID. Our bodies needed it. Our people need that. Our community needs it. One of our vows is to support the church in its worship and its work as we are able. Thirdly, give generously of your time, the talents that God has given you, and your treasures. So those are the three T's. You can remember that. My time, my talents, and my treasures. And pray with and for each other. The gifts of God are given according to His grace and His wisdom. The church must be a place where they are used for His glory and the building of His church. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word, and we thank You, Father, that things that might even just seem so elemental to us. We have seen it in other areas. We've seen it uh, when we manage a company, that we need different people in different roles. We've seen it when the wrong person is in that role and nobody flourishes. And Father, you have made us so that one person will not have all those gifts. How wonderful is that? We do not need the risen Christ to be our pastor, our elder, our music leader. For you have sent your spirit and given gifts to your people. That the glory might not rest upon a man or a system, but on you, O Christ. And so we ask for your help and your wisdom. Pray for willing hearts and your blessing. Father, we pray that as we take these 
elements. You set them apart for holy use that we might be nourished. Body and spirit and our minds would think and dwell on these things. We ask in Jesus' name.